You are now about to witness the strength of Raider Nation. What's up, Raider Nation? Hope everyone's well. I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, me and I got a little turkey hangover, stuffed. It's funny how we take the turkey, stuff it, and we take the turkey after that and stuff ourselves with it. So, needless to say, I'm done with the turkey uh, hangover. Also got a hangover from still from that wretched performance against the Jets. Still trying to shake that off, and I hope the Raiders have shaken it off as they prepare for the Chiefs in Kansas City this Sunday in cold weather. This is the New Era Nation podcast, an Oakland Raiders podcast about the team. I hope to provide good insight and opinions uh, about the Oakland Raiders and the rest of the NFL. Welcome in, Raider Nation, and anyone else listening, as usual. As always, much appreciated. I thank you for the support. Now, facing the Chiefs, let's get the obvious things out of the way. Andy Reid is 17-3 and coming off a bye, and lo and behold, he's lined up to face the Raiders coming off his bye week. Excellent. As far as injuries and or transactions in this new week, um, the Chiefs will be missing Damian Williams from the game, and that's it. They'll have everyone else available. The Raiders, although banged up, LaMarcus Joyner and Trent Brown. LaMarcus Joyner's due to come back this week, which, you know, when you begin, when Curtis Riley's playing, you really begin to appreciate Marcus Joyner, LaMarcus Joyner. So just having him back is going to be a boost to the team and a much needed boost. Please get Curtis Riley off the goddamn field. Do not want to see number 35 with the Riley on the back of it at any point during the game when the Chiefs offense has the ball. So you have the legendary 17-3 off a bye Andy Reid deal, and this team usually comes out rejuvenated. Um, They usually always have some sort of tricky plays up their sleeve that they want to unveil after the bye week. And this is the time Andy Reid usually gets his defense dialed in, so they start playing better. This, of course, is all is not good for the Raiders. A game against the Chiefs late in the season in Kansas City in cold weather. The Raiders still haven't beaten the Chiefs in Kansas City during the Andy Reid era. And that has more to do with being outcoached, outmanned, out-talented, out-schemed team rather than Derek Carr's incompetence. And it's just proven a few things. Andy Reid has arrived. The Chiefs had a ton of talent. And he was able to mold that talent into a force, a destructive, explosive force on offense, at least. And with a serviceable defense, he's got a ton of talent on defense. Through his time here, he's had great talent. When you got Tamba Ali, Justin Houston, D. Ford as your rushers, you know, to go with Chris Jones, to go with, at one time, um, Eric Berry, one of the best safeties in the league, and Marcus Peters. I mean, how could you not have a good defense? They actually underachieved with the kind of talent they have. But it goes to show what the Chiefs have done over the years as compared to the Raiders up until this time. They've been able to gather talent every single year. Where the Raiders have drafted, 
reset, drafted again, um, and not drafted very well overall. And I've gone over those draft picks in past podcasts, but it's led us to this point today where as of now, you know, however many years, seven years after Andy Reid has arrived, the Raiders are finally putting a staff and a front office together that has some competence. So this is the first year we see the results, and going forward, the team will get better. And, of course, there's a talk, Carr doesn't play well in cold weather, but, you know, who who really plays well in cold weather? So, and people are saying, hey, if Carr loses this game, I mean, we're built to beat our division. If we can't go to Kansas City in cold weather because of our quarterback, then we should get rid of him and draft someone else who would take 13 years to learn the damn system. No, I'm telling you guys, don't worry about it. Carr's going to be fine. And, yeah, I understand the worries and counter-arguments. But if that's one of the counter-arguments, then that's not a good one. And I don't care about warm-weather teams in the cold anyway. If it's a good team, they will succeed, warm weather or not. So that brings us to our next point. Do the, what do the Raiders have? Do they have a good team? Do the Raiders have a good team? It's a hard-fighting team, a willing team, a team that gives everything it has, but they don't have much to give. The talent isn't there. This team and roster doesn't really have the luxury of depth. They're overachievers. And eventually, talent is going to trump that hard work and effort. You can only go so far with a couple good weapons, a couple cannons, and then a bunch of old muskets going up against state-of-the-art laser rifles and battle armors and tanks. Your strategy will only get you so far if it even works at all. And lo and behold, Patrick Mahomes, who a couple games ago came back from an injury, or was it last game, um, wasn't quite himself as far as mobility goes. But good thing, he's had an extra week to rest. So expect fully mobile Patrick Mahomes running back there, dancing around while guys get open 60 yards downfield. And if the Raiders can't get pressure on this guy, then it's game over. And now that LaMarcus Joyner's back, hopefully we don't see blown coverages. We cannot have that this week. In the last game against the Chiefs, the first quarter went well. And if if only only a earthquake or something happened to stop the game and we could have just ended it right there, it would have been fine. But unfortunately... Um, as like is in every game. The rest of the game had to be played. It didn't end in the first quarter. The Chiefs adjusted, motioning receivers off that man or whatever the hell it was, loading up to one side, sending them streaking up the sideline. For nice 40, 50, 60-yard bombs. This combined with lack of pressure equals explosive plays for touchdowns. Also kind with also combined with an inability to get the 50-50 ball or affect the receiver in any way, Gary on Conley. Unless they bring pressure and collapse that pocket, Mahomes will tear them up. And I don't see them bringing pressure or collapsing that pocket after the way they performed versus a shitty offensive line with the Jets and Sam Darnold. But let's hope that they're embarrassed enough and pissed off enough that they come back 
and uh, are able to provide the pressure that's going to be needed in this game. And the way the secondary played last game, uh, it doesn't necessarily give me an optimistic view of them going forward, coming in to face Patrick Mahomes on a bye week. It goes hand in hand. The coverage needs to cover long enough for the pressure to get home, or at least have a chance. But for the defense, job one is going to be to shut down the run, make them one-dimensional. And a Chiefs offense that can only pass is already a big-time problem for the Raiders. But if they can run, too, and open up every play in the book, that's much, much worse. So we need to shut down the run to get to the deadly passing game. Even though the Raiders have shown extreme weakness to high-powered offenses, apparently the Jets are one of those. As in, they can do nothing to stop these offenses from getting huge chunk yards and scores. So really, the only way I see this Raider defense stopping the Chiefs is turnovers, fumble, tip passes, something of that nature. And in order to accomplish this, uh, I have to go to comments made by the, the previously mentioned LaMarcus Joyner. First off, it would be good to have him back, like I said. But also, he said, the Chiefs get high off these 80-yard bomb plays, explosive plays, and keep them to small gains, which kind of frustrate them. Basically have that mentality, you know? If they're going to score anyway, let's make them earn it. Dinking and dunking down the field, make it ugly. At least not give up 80-yard TD drives in one or two or three plays, you know? Give this defense more chances, you know, seven to ten plays on the field. Give them more chances. Maybe a fumble happens, a sack, a pick. The Raiders do not have the talent or depth to dictate anything from a defensive standpoint. So in this case, keep it umbrellaed, you know, keep everything in front of you, and just hope for the best because you're not stopping this Chiefs offense. And this has been the case every year. But a couple years ago, the Raiders employed a strategy, This almost the same type of strategy that I'm talking about, versus a high-powered Chiefs team. An umbrella versus a pass game, keeping everything in front of them, keeping everything underneath the coverage. They didn't stop them, but they slowed them down enough. I think this is the only strategy this team can use and have some success with. Stop the run, keep everything in front of you on pass plays, and hope for some fortune from the football gods. I would argue that God has abandoned us. Then on offense, the Raiders must take advantage, full advantage, Every single time. Every time they have the ball, they have to score and score touchdowns every time. Now, can the Raiders do this? They have a much better shot of being successful on offense because a run game can be dominant, especially versus a team like the Chiefs. Although their D's improving, the Raiders' run game can still destroy this defense, and they need to. No excuses. Execute to perfection. This is the only way... The Raiders have a chance versus the Chiefs. Run the ball physically. Take the life out of them. Drain the clock in the process. Gaining confidence for the whole team while the Chiefs and Mahomes, Mahomes sit on the cold sidelines getting stiff. You've met my new Mahomie, Patrick Mahomes. The Raiders don't do this. They don't have a chance. And the game will be over by halftime. And I know I've said this before, but I do not expect the Raiders to come out flat on offense or defense. And get dominated and shut down this week. I have spoken. I have spoken. And speaking of the Chiefs. Since Andy Reid's got here. He's owned the Raiders. Been dominant in the AFC. 
uh, in general. I'd like to talk to you about diabetes. No, that's not Wilford Brimley. He just looks exactly like him. Yeah, Andy Reid. He's owned the Raiders, due mostly to things mentioned above, incompetence on the Raiders' part. That is changing, but I don't see that change taking effect this year. Andy Reid, to me, is Marty Schottenheimer 2.0. Schottenheimer, former coach of the Chiefs and Chargers. He was a major pain in the ass for the Raiders. He seemed to have a personal hate for the Raiders, which is fine because I have a personal hate for him. When he was with the Chiefs, uh, grab, there was a free agent battle for this cornerback, James Hasty, who had been a great addition to the Raiders. We really needed him. Um, but the Chiefs and Schottenheimer grabbed James Hasty. He signed with the Chiefs when he was about to sign with the Raiders. Hasty would go on to have a great Chiefs career with many great moments and many great moments against the Raiders, including a touchdown return uh, that sealed the game. And, of course, the Marcus Allen debacle, which Schottenheimer directly had a hand in. And I even heard that Lamar Hunt poured water on a picture of Al Davis and put it in a freezer, thus cursing the Raider organization. At the time, I felt like, damn, well, I need to get in that freezer get that picture out of there. That's the problem. That's why we're not beating the Chiefs. As I was get older and more involved, I would understand the incompetence and what was needed to correct it. This is when I first learned you need a great coach in charge. So if you don't have a great coach, it doesn't really matter what the talent you have does. They're not going to win the ultimate goal. Marty Schottenheimer also openly talked about the strategy of just play, play the game versus the Raiders and just wait for them to screw it up. And then that'll lead us to a victory. Every single time Marty Schottenheimer successfully employed the strategy versus the Raiders. Then years later, Marty Schottenheimer would show up and coach the Chargers, and it's pretty much the same story. To this day, I hate Marty Schottenheimer more than any coach ever, even Mike Shanahan. But part of that same story is Schottenheimer's inability to win a big game, win in the playoffs. That was like kryptonite to Marty Schottenheimer. The regular season was his bitch, basically. He owned the regular season. But when the games really counted in the playoffs, Marty Schottenheimer turned into a weak, little, four-eyed uh, weakling that he is. Despite multiple times with the best record in the NFL, home field advantage, many times they lost that first home playoff game, which gave me tremendous joy. Nothing worse than being the Super Bowl favorite and not even making it. A lot of the times losing in your first game. That disappointment and pain could be felt all the way to my house. And I would just absorb it all and bathe in it. The pain and tears of Chiefs fans. Nothing more enjoyable. I'm just happy that Harbaugh knocked him out, as did the Bills on their way to losing four Super Bowls. When Schottenheimer got to San Diego, the same, the same story. Had a 14-2 and record one year. Knocked out of the playoffs. They had a 14-3 lead on the Patriots and Tom Brady. Couldn't finish the deal. And one of the most one of the most infamous plays at the end of that game. One of the most charger things of all time in order to lose that game and gift wrap it to the Patriots. If there's one thing that's guaranteed in a Marty Schottenheimer coach team that was in first place and had the best record in the AFC. 
the guarantee was that they would lose their first game at home against whoever the opponent was. If I was a betting man back then, that's a guaranteed lead pipe lock pick. Marty Schottenheimer to lose. And money line it, too. So in the end, bottom line is, Schottenheimer is a garbage coach. Can't win games that matter. He sucks. You suck, you duckass. Remember when this guy tried to tell Daryl Green, a Hall of Fame cornerback, how to play cornerback? Fuck Marty Schottenheimer. Marty at least had the good sense to get out of the AFC West when Gruden came. And speaking of Gruden, he's not too happy about how his run game performed. Um, even taking shots at these option teams and these running quarterbacks. Yeah, of course they're whatever, getting these yards. But he wasn't too happy how his run game, his team performed. And Josh Jacobs making the comments, you know, this sticks with me. that We needed that. Didn't surprise me. We needed it. We needed to be humbled. Maybe this will will get us where we need to be mentally. We'll see. Yeah, we will see. And I think Josh Jacobs is going to have a big, big game. Josh Jacobs has to have a big, big game. And Derek Carr needs to execute to perfection. The whole offense needs to execute to perfection. There's only so much the defense is going to do. The offense is going to have to carry the day and give this team hope throughout the game. And I want to see some more variety of runs. Let's get some sweeps, some tosses going, some misdirection, some counters, anything. How about that old rollout play where you fake the toss and you roll it out? Oh, and look, there's Darren Waller, 30 yards downfield. Seems to work for the Niners. George Kittles was hammering the Packers with it all night. Where's that play in the offense? The Raiders need something like that. But that being said, I also expect the tight ends to have a big game in this game. Josh Jacobs, Derek Carr, and the tight ends are going to have to carry this offense into the end zone successfully. And this pretty much goes without saying, but it's expected. The offensive line is going to have to dominate in the trenches. Every play, they're going to have to smash these guys off the ball and do their job. Execute perfectly themselves. Crush this defensive line. And like I said, defensively, I do not expect to see any more of these 40-yard bomb plays. Had enough of those for the rest of my life. But I don't expect to see it in this game, um, which in turn will give up a lot of underneath stuff. But if you're going into that game thinking that the Raiders are going to stop the Chiefs, then you're already setting yourself up for failure. Be realistic about this game, about this team. And yeah, I know they got trounced by the Jets last week. I know that. But they have a shot to keep it close. Let's Just let me say that. Now, back to my trouncing of the Marty Schottenheimer. So that's where my I get most of my Chiefs hatred from. It's from the Marty Schottenheimer era. And there's just so much hatred for the Chiefs. Like when you build up goodwill, it's the opposite. A lot of bad will built up toward the Chiefs. My personal memories of Joe Montana and Marty and, you know, Neil Smith and Derek Thomas. Now, Joe Montana, that that was the time he got let go from the Niners to go to the Chiefs because they were, they were going with Steve Young. And he did well. He brought the Niners back to, you know, serious contention. And I remember him getting blasted by the Bills. And they, they would get slaughtered by the Bills. 
every time they played him in the playoffs. And, uh, yeah, that was that for him. Neil Smith, you know, the Band-Aid on the nose was stupid and annoying. And old Derek Brooks, Derek Thomas, I mean. Derek Thomas. Did I say Derek Brooks? Derek Thomas, a great football player. Of course, one of the great sack artists in the league whose life ended prematurely during his playing career, unfortunately, uh, in a car accident, which is sad. And Derek Thomas was a great, great linebacker. One game he had seven sacks. I saw that game against the Seattle Seahawks. Back when the Seahawks were part of the AFC West, they used to be part of our division. If you didn't know, I'm sure you do. But uh, back when the Seahawks were in the AFC West, Derek Carr had, I think, tied the record for most sacks in the, or Derek Carr. Derek Carr. Derek Thomas. Derek Thomas. Derek Thomas tied the record, or at least set the record, for most sacks in a game was seven. And what I rem- that game was in Kansas City. And what I remember most about that game is the sack Derek Thomas didn't get with the Seahawks driving for the last score. The Seahawks won that game. Derek Thomas had seven sacks, and the Seahawks won that game. 17-16 to versus the Chiefs. On a last-second score that the Seahawks scored a touchdown on. A play in which Derek Thomas missed the sack. So although he got seven on the day, the one he missed cost the Chiefs the game. Good memories. And then, of course, Marcus Allen. Marcus Allen on the sidelines. Marcus Allen making great plays for the Chiefs. Great games against the Raiders. And that hurt because he was one of my favorites. And he had plenty of career left when he was done wrong by Al Davis. And that was bullshit. And he could have been the league's top rusher. He could have been the league's top receiving running back. He's a wide receiver at the running back position. He has so much talent and was way ahead of his time. And uh, he was just wasted for a few years with the Raiders and went on to the Chiefs where he wasn't as good, but he was still pretty damn good. So a very special hate for the Kansas City Chiefs, only exceeded by the Denver Broncos. And we'll go into that one day. There's one good thing that came from the Chiefs. After scouting the Chiefs one game, one year, in a game where their starter got injured, I forget, Sonny Bono or Elvis Gerbach, Gerbach back. I mean, Steve Bono. Either way, interchangeable garbage between those two. Oh, take a good look at this lump of shit. Uh, looking at their backup situation, and who do I see? None other than Rich Gannon. Knowing he's a backup and hoping he sucked, uh, I saw him just make plays, scramble around, buy time, throw a pass a game four or five yards, any positive play he can get. Scramble out the pocket, pick up a few yards running. It seemed every single play made a positive play, a smart play, every time. Then the next year he becomes a free agent, and John Gruden, now Davis, signed him as a free agent to be QB quarterback of the Oakland Raiders. And with this man leading the team, you can see things offensively changing, by far for the better. But yeah, about Reed, one of the most hated Chiefs coaches too. And 
here's my personal final list of my most hated Chiefs coaches. Number one, Marty Schottenheimer. Number two, Andy Reid. That's it. My favorite Chiefs coaches, that's a little tougher. Um, one would have to be Hank Stram for this and this alone. Come on, Lenny. Pump it in there, baby. Just keep it trickling the ball down the field, boys. One of the great sentences a coach could ever speak. One of the greatest things you could ever tell your team. Matriculating. A word that should be employed in your vocabulary every day. Number one favorite coach. Number two, that's a tie between Gunther Cunningham, Herm Edwards, and Romeo Cromnell. These were great Chiefs coaches. Some of my favorite Chiefs coaches. Um, third is Todd Haley. Even though the guy was a douchebag, he's still one of my favorite Chiefs coaches of all time. Number three. These are my all-time Chiefs coaches. Hopefully they fire that bum Andy Reid and give Todd Haley another shot. Why not, right? Okay, enough about them. Um, now I'd like to talk about the Raiders' playoff chances. Of course, this game would directly affect the Raiders' playoff chances. Chances. Much like the Raiders directly affected their own playoff chances last week when they let the Jets treat them like they just got out of jail and the Raiders were their girlfriend. Like on that Love After Lockup show, you know? Get out of jail and let's drive somewhere real quick. Because you're about to get smashed out. If they're able to beat the Chiefs, then all is as hoped with a 7-5 record and a tie with the Chiefs. It would just have been in reverse order. Expect the victory versus the Jets and the loss versus the Chiefs. But if they lose, however, they fall to 6-6 six and six with four games left. And the only realistic shot left is to finish with four straight victories. Especially with the Bills dominating and pretty much locking up that fifth wildcard spot. Um, it was assumed that they would have a tough schedule ahead and they would fold. They looked anything but that versus the Dallas Cowboys. They completely dominated that team, shut them down, and Josh Allen did whatever he wanted to their defense, a good defense. So the Raiders must win four straight games, um, to, to, and that's their only real shot to make the playoffs. Uh, playoffs? I love that clip and will forever. Like I've said, any chance to use it, it should be used. Thank you, Jim Mora, once again, for this piece of history forever captured in time. You will live forever. Playoffs? And not just playoffs. It has to be a playoffs to have the desired effect. Uh, playoffs? Okay, so four straight to make the playoffs. Uh, playoffs? But say they lose all four, which is a very realistic possibility. Six and ten. Where could we estimate that pick? In the ten to fifteen range. Now, the Raiders, when they were at 6-4, and four, I said it's very, very possible they could lose all six. They could win all six. So far, they've lost two of those six. Guess what path we're kind of headed down that I'm not really liking. But where could we estimate a pick at 6-10? and 10? In the 10-15 to 15 range. And the Bears, who are now 6-6, six and six, dirty bastards, got a victory against Detroit that they didn't deserve. I, I'm telling you, they had two catches there that weren't even reviewed, that were nothing, guys fumbling the ball around, and, oh, those are catches. What a great catch. Really, he rolled on the ball, 
and the ball hit the fucking grass. Great catch. You know if that was the Raiders, it had been reviewed to the full extent and called an incomplete pass. But anyway, back to the Bears. They must lose their remaining four as well. They need to lose these last four. Also finished with a 6-10 and ten record. Say that scenario happens. Then you get back-to-back first-round picks pretty much. It's a tough pill to swallow, but it's a very realistic possibility. And if this team loses on Sunday, we have to look at that very real possibility. A 6-10, and 7-9 and nine type finish. Compared to last year, a huge improvement still. Where no one, you know, no one, a huge improvement. No one thought this team could be there, be it even 6-10. and 10. So keep that in mind. It's not what everyone wants to hear. It's not what the team want to hear, and I hope you guys are listening. I don't think you make the playoffs, you playoff non-making losers. Uh, playoffs? I'm just playing, but look at the real possibilities. Yes, they could finish 10-6, and six, but just as easily 6-10. and 10. But enough of the Debbie Downer shit. For now, all we have is what is in front of us, and in front of us is a red, dirty, shit-sucking, Wife and child beating, suicide committing, soul selling organization. Backed by meth smoking, toothless, fat chiefs fans with bathtubs and broken washers littered throughout their yards. To every last chiefs fan, I hope your meth lab catches on fire with you in it. We got your tomahawk. It's time for the Raiders to do some scalping. Bring that stadium to its knees and shut them the fuck up. Nobody thinks you can win this game. Time to take this menace head on and bring an end to their curse on the AFC West. Take Andy Reid's diabetes medication. Take no prisoners. This is the Raider Nation. You cut us, we bleed silver and black. We'll take this whole damn country to take us down. Now let's get out there and whoop that Chiefs ass. I'll see you guys next time.